0: Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is a special edition here. We are live from the Minnesota Historical Society, and we're here live at the opening of Reframing Our Stories, and I'm here with Rita Arndt. Rita, welcome.
1: Uh, bonjour, Robert. I'm happy to be here, and happy to have
2: everybody here for the opening today.
0: It's been awesome, and I know uh, we have uh, an elder here, and even a better yet, a Ho-Chunk elder here, and we should uh, get right to her right away. Uh, because I know uh, there's fry bread downstairs and she wants to go in. Oh, uh, wh- I want to say a big welcome. Could you introduce yourself in a good way?
3: Sure. Um, thank you for asking me to be on here and to share thoughts with everyone and want to welcome you to this uh to this program.
0: Well, I want to thank you, too, and uh, a big peenigigi. Um Let's talk a little bit about what you had to say today. It was really heartfelt about uh, natives here. And I'm wondering if you could share. It seems like the microphone's going in and out. Uh, Rita, could you share the mic with? Sure. Yeah, let's switch, switch around here.
3: Okay.
0: Hey, sound good. ho oh.
3: <laughs> Technology.
0: Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> Hey, we're here live and uh, let's talk a little bit about what you spoke on today and reframing your, uh, we're here with uh, reframing our stories and you've been here since 1959 and a lot of these pictures that are here, you know these people.
3: Yes, I do. I know uh, generations of some of the people captured in the pictures of, of the exhibit so it was really heartwarming to see uh, many of them today, they're uh, adults, many of them are grandparents, uh, many of them have moved back to their um, home homelands, their reservations, and they now have, you know, second, third generation still here in the Twin Cities. So it was uh, definitely very um, heartwarming, uh, brought back a lot of really good memories of uh, the 60s, 70s, and, and on up. Um, you know, it's it's a rich history, a rich legacy of uh, so many people and a, a lot of work, a lot of good work that was done by so many, um, really on behalf of helping one another, helping our people here, especially in the Twin City area, where often there can be challenges coming off reservations and uh, bringing a family, being uprooted, uh, coming into a large uh, metropolitan area where you don't know anyone. Um, back in the 60s, it was a um, kind of a tumultuous era even. There was a lot of racism and uh, lack of resources, which often that continues. Um, and in spite of that, you know, we, we uh, survived, found each other, uh, built organizations, built schools, and uh, still was able to celebrate together, grieve um, together at times, help one another, brace each other up. So a rich history. Um, just thinking about all of that and, and also, you know being here for other relatives that would come off the reservation to uh, help them even get started here.
0: You know, what's amazing to me is there's a percentage, and I think, uh, Rita, maybe you can shake your head yes or no, but I think it's we have like 65% of uh, natives are off off, res- off reservation now.
1: Yes, that seems accurate.
2: <laughs>
0: this is fun, sharing the microphone. Oh, wow. Uh. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, we have a big uh, family here in the in the urban, as being an urban Indian, and many different tribes, and many different pr- people, and you said something int- interesting today uh, earlier that we all found each other.
3: Yes, yes. My family, um, like I shared this morning, my mother uh, brought us here in 1959. Uh, my father, my stepdad was here. Um, he just had... Well, not just, but he was uh, served some time in World War II. And then from that, you know, he acquired a skill uh, as a welder and then came here because the jobs, there was more jobs here than back home. So he got a job as a welder and he worked at that until he retired. Um, And then in the course of that, he remarried and married my mom. They were high school sweethearts. So my biological father passed and she, uh, five years later, Uh, got back with my my stepdad and he moved us here so in 1959 there were uh, there were native people living here we just didn't know where they lived Mm -hmm. and um, not that many of our our ho chung people lived here so we it felt like we were the only native people in the twin city area but eventually we found each other because that's what we do we we find each other you know like even in your when you're in a public place you know you see another native you're like ah That's (laughs) that's, <laughs> that's you know. That look at those my, beautiful yeah, braids, exactly. Hoa. Uh, look at those earrings, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. right.
3: But it's it kind of goes deeper than that. Somehow or another, you're able to like you know you know when you see each other that that you're native, and that feels good. Just that connection, even if you don't say anything. So we did that in 1959. My parents found other Ho Chunks that lived here, and they started something called the Saint Paul American Indian Club. And I didn't mention that this morning, but it was just to get together, and they eventually uh, they raised money real grassroots style, and um, started powwows. They would do one every, I think, quarterly, and they got bigger and bigger. There was, you know, people coming from, you know, the Ojibwe reservations and the Dakota, from Sisseton, South Dakota, Mm. and from Winnebago, Nebraska, and. From Tama, Iowa, and from Wisconsin, and before you knew it, we had a big, a big powwow um, quarterly. So, and they did that all with funds that they would raise themselves as a little club. So that's how we, that's how we found each other. And then, um, of course, our issues here in the Twin City area, you know, with that also, we came together to identify solutions yeah. to a lot of the social issues that existed back then. And in in the also in the course of a lot of the like I said the 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 era was pretty tumultuous in the '60s, and you know we experienced the racism, the police brutality, and from there the need for the American Indian Movement to address some of that. So, my brother was involved with AIM, and my mother was also very uh, activist-minded. Right. Mm-hmm. So she also was uh, also participated in a lot of the protests, and so. That was the 60s and um, a lot of organizations sprung up, uh, schools, our own native owned and operated tribally controlled schools um, where we were able to teach our history, the accurate history of mm-hmm. our people and also the language, the art, the music. So my brother worked at um, one of them in Minneapolis, it was called Heart of the Earth Survival School. Mm-hmm. He worked there for a number of years as a teacher and as a coach. So well,
0: Let's talk about your brother for a second. Uh, there's a picture of him, and, it, and it's warm to my heart because here we are, a native show called Native Ritz Radio, and uh, your brother was a trailblazer in that way.
3: Yeah, you know, he, my brother, he just, he, he was kind of like, he was interested in in all areas, and. One of the things that I just love about what he did was every day he would make it a point to get the newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day when we had newspapers and people read newspapers.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, he would go down to the newsstand and get his copy of the St. Paul Pioneer Press every day. Mm-hmm. It was, And he got personally friends with the guy who sold the papers on the corner. <laughs> and they were on like a first name basis. So he'd get a paper and he would be up on all the current events in the Twin City area, in the mainstream community, but also, you know, national events. Um, and also he stayed on top of all the sports and mm-hmm. just was knowledgeable in all areas. So he was this kind of a person that could just communicate with anyone. Wow. And he wanted to, you know, sort of elevate his voice along with, you know, our native people in this community. So he started a radio, he and a couple of his friends started a radio program called American Indian Radio, Understood. AIR. So um
0: oh and, yeah, i get it hey yeah, oh, are.
3: Uh. <laughs> and um so it was i think it was on the air maybe once a week for like maybe not an hour i don't know i don't remember um but it was a chance to share current events which he was always on top of uh, whether it was just locally with you know our native community here in the twin city area kind of things that were going on things mm-hmm. that were happening um, but also even nationally things yeah. that were impacting our our communities so our tribal communities and then also they shared uh, music uh, they shared jokes humor um, so it was it, i loved it you know and my brother was um he was it, our our name ho-chunk means people with the loud voice people <laughs> with a clear voice so and that's what he was that was and that was another sort of a platform for his Elevating his voice along with our our native communities, so he started that radio program, which is so needed, mm-hmm.
2: right?
3: A way to again, you know, stay connected with our people, our relatives in the community.
0: Well, one of the things that we do here um, is we talk about native issues, and those are issues that we know as natives, and but our allies don't know. Um, and so, it's important for people like you to educate our our people out there. I just gotta want to jump back for just one second. You know, there's a play about Franklin Avenue right now, Um, but in the day, it was the west side of Frogtown. There was more than just Franklin Avenue when it comes to, and these pictures are showing this when it comes to uh, natives here in the Twin Cities, especially.
3: Yep, yep. Yes, we had, you know, um, inner city was our homes and we were, you know, it was multicultural and we, you know, my family, we lived in Frogtown, right? And Mm -hmm. my dad, um, with his veteran benefits moved us to the suburbs. Okay. So here's another culture shock (laughs) going from inner city Frogtown to Roseville, Minnesota, where we were the only native family for miles around. I was the only native student at, uh, a school called Alexander Ramsey, which uh, Alexander cool. Ramsey, the guy, was kind of racist. So <laughs>
0: they, they <laughs> yeah. changed
3: More the they yeah they changed the name even to Roseville High School after I graduated. But anyway, they he moved us out there. But yeah, inner city is like our I don't know what you call it our uh, our concrete you know reservation or yeah, something. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, right. It was it really was kind of like home. Um, where we were able to live close by, you know, our neighbors that were native and other people of color. So it felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later on, after um, I married and had a family, we moved to the west side where, again, it was happening Mm -hmm. there with the Mexican-American community and did a lot of work there on the west side as well. We still have our home there after 40 years. Right. so yeah, it was, you know, again we we organized even here on on this side of the river. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of you know, we didn't believe back in the day that there were these geographic lines yeah. that had to separate us, right? We right. were the land belonged to everyone, we belonged to the land and So, um, but there was a little bit of competition between (laughs) Minneapolis natives and St. Paul natives. Like It was like, one of the things that we'd always tease each other about was like the streets, how the streets Mm -hmm. are organized. (laughs) I don't know how you people get around in St. Paul. Your streets are just every which way. There's no order. Minneapolis, there's streets and avenues. And the avenues are alphabetical. And the streets are first, second, third, fourth so i'm always teasing them i was like you know i don't get it where you say we'll meet at 12th and 24th i don't know (laughs) what that means like 12th (laughs) avenue and 20 so even those kind of jokes about you know our our either side of the river where we live but yeah we had you know we we organized wherever we lived and we were kind of had our pulse on what our finger on the pulse of what was going on in our community and the needs that that were uh that existed back then so you know i knew there was in the course of my work i kept coming upon people who had been abused uh who are experiencing domestic abuse mm-hmm. so i you know i got became really interested in that area because my mom was so activist-minded she mm-hmm. also took in people who were experiencing domestic abuse so our home was kind of like a shelter wow. um so getting interested in that area. And um, through that, you know, again, really, you know, starting to organize with other Native women, women in the, you know, in mainstream society who are addressing those issues. So um, I used to always say, you know, I wanted to do something different than my brother because he was really well noted in Mm -hmm. all of his areas in the area of uh, education and criminal justice. So I sort of had a you know forged a path of my own to work on issues that were impacting her community as well so along the way people would say I didn't know you were Henry Green Crow's sister but that was kind of like you know I was proud of it but I also wanted to sort of make make a difference in my own way so that was that's the work that I've been doing all the years
0: we joke about uh, Ho-Chunk that we're all related but we are <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah. i mean when i heard that you were related the claremonts i go, the claremonts are a big name here in the west side and uh <laughs> well, they are you know your family is in in a wow. really good way and i appreciate that so it was really exciting for me to hear that you were related to that picture. Mm-hmm. your family was yeah. that i mean i get a little, i'm getting a little emotional here but it's uh you know i know my uh my cousin in a white way, Dallas, he's really big with your family. Yeah. And I know when it comes to uh, ceremonies and singing and funerals, you guys, your family steps up. Mm,
3: thank you. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what we do, you know, as, as Native people. We're there to help each other, you know, in good times and in, in hard times. So that's what, that's what we do.
0: So I, I was thinking today and I was thinking earlier during our conversation. What do you, how do you feel about the pluses and the minuses that uh, Native Americans have gone through in your lifetime? Because I look at uh, a place like Franklin Avenue, and they didn't have all those services back in the, you know, in the 50s or 60s. And, you know, you talked about uh, Heart of the Earth and Red Schoolhouse. We didn't have that um, ability or uh, to, to teach our young ones who are now older ones teaching. Mm -hmm. is it amazing to see how far we've come, even though we have a long way to go still?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it it took a lot of um, persistence and a lot of uh, perseverance and, you know, the never giving up and just continuing to hammer away. And every now and then you capture the attention of someone out there who, you know, becomes an ally who can, again, carry the message that these things are needed, whether it's through, you know, chemical abuse yeah. and addiction, or whether it's uh, homelessness, mm-hmm. or whether it's, you know, um, economic you know injustice, whatever it is, you know, that we're able to keep talking about it, organizing with each other and, you know, at all levels within our tribal leadership, bringing them in, even though we're in an urban area, our tribal leadership, like yourself, you're here and represent us and represent our you know our issues back to To home where Mm -hmm. there there could be some resources so we have a way of just you know knocking on doors and getting the attention of our legislators who have you know that who they wield a lot of power you know whether it's financially or otherwise Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you don't you don't give up however you can get that voice and then organize yourselves in a way that you know you share that same History, you share those same concerns and and able to elevate your voices so that you're that becomes stronger and yeah. eventually get heard. It's yeah. like, well, they're not going to go away. We better address what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Hey, Rita, I want to hand the mic over to you. This my mic, and uh and uh take over a couple questions if you don't mind. And I'm going to find you another mic here in my bag. Okay. So we're doing a uh, live. Uh, I guess juggling oh um,
1: well bonnie i have the pleasure of working with your grandson manny um, in the department of native american initiatives at the minnesota historical society and i just want to mention how great it has been to be able to make these connections with community especially when it comes to our families and stuff in our department because I I feel like all of us bring our full selves to the, our work and we can't separate that. So finding our families at the history center, whether it be in these photographs that we have here and some of the old historic records and whatnot. So I was just I I'm curious of like, were you surprised when Manny reached out to you and was tell, asking you about these photos?
3: I was. Um, you know, the picture that um, that he showed me was the one with my brother and. Um, you know with the two friends of his and you know I was I like how did he get that picture and where did that come from and you know, I was I was shocked Um, so you know he wanted some history around it and so I was able to share that with him but it was like you know it's like these things aren't coincidence right mm-hmm. somehow or another you know they're meant to be the creator makes all that happen you know where that picture gets into the, the hands of the people that can you know put the story out mm. there for others to see and appreciate mm-hmm. you know so yeah it was it was good and i'm so ever so proud of him being here uh and doing the work that he does
1: yeah it's yeah it's very exciting and i do agree with you it comes and because we have had these photos um some longer than others but it's just interesting how this project has come about and because the historical society has so many resources related to our communities but the problem one of the big issues is is access to those and what that looks like so an exhibit like this allows us to provide that access to communities to be like hey did you know we had this and then we do as much as we can give copies of the photos and other things like that so that community can use them and have them because i know like you have the photo now so Mm -hmm. that's very exciting for us and um, other folks have taken some of the photos too to be able to have at a such a high quality level so I'm
2: like, what
0: else do I wanna ask? I don't know, let, <laughs> me, let me jump in for just <laughs> yes, a second, and uh, I just wanna tell everyone, this is a special edition of Native Ritz Radio, and we're live from the Minnesota Historical Society here, and it's a live opening of, uh, of uh, reframing our stories, uh, and we're here with a couple awesome guests, and we're talking about our stories, and, and it's really important, and I, I just wanna say one quick thing, is that it's not only important that your grandson's working here, but all the other natives too, because we normally are not invited, and and it's good that you know we are here and are telling our own stories. Even you know we talked about that movie a little bit uh, before the show. That's still not us telling our story. It's a story about Native Americans when it comes to killers of the Flower Moon. Or so we still we still have ways to go. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate. Uh, An elder like you all the work that you've done and your family's done and still continues to do along with your grandson now um to make things better and and more equitable for uh, us natives Mm
3: -hmm. yep i agree i agree there's a a long rich history and you know it's it's so important what we teach our children you know and my my partner my husband is so big on that it's like you know, it has to be more than just our verbally, right? You know, instructing them verbally. We have to show them. Mm. We have to show how, you know, how they need to uh, do things, how to behave and how to treat one another and be concerned about your community and invest some time and energy into making, creating solutions to the problem, right? And so he's he's part of that. He's uh, demonstrating that today of what he's been taught and you know, doing something productive with his life. I'm mm. so proud of him. Yeah. You do
0: we all, excuse me. We all are in, uh, <clears throat> especially here in Minnesota, um, where we do have trust land here. We have a deep history here as Ho-Chunk people. Um, one of the things that is coming out, I don't know if you know, uh, is that a book about uh, Minnesota and uh, Ho-Chunk's history here and the removal of Ho-Chunk. And we're still here, and um, and I want to uh, get Ho-Chunk recognized here in the state of Minnesota, and that's one of the things, as your elected official that I've been working on, but it's an uphill battle, too, for many reasons, yep. as you probably can imagine. Yeah,
3: the another thing my brother did was um, back in it had to be the 80s i think maybe 90s early 90s he had an exhibit here at the history center and it was shortly after it opened and i think it was even in the same room
1: they've changed one a
3: lot yeah. over the well, 30 years one of these, um <laughs> one of these rooms and that's exactly the history that uh, that it told was the uh, the Ho-Chunk people and mm-hmm. how you know we originated in Wisconsin up in Green Bay area, uh, home of the Packers, the Whackers, <laughs> um, but you know how we were we were removed exactly. from there and forced into Minnesota, and then how we our people settled in like southwest Minnesota mm-hmm. around Marshall area, um, and in fact there was a there was a farmer one day who uh, was digging up the land to build build some kind of structure on it and he dug up a graveyard Mm. and he did some research. He got some archeologists involved and, Mm. uh, found out that they were Ho-Chunk people. So they got, he got in touch with my brother. I don't know how, (laughs) that's, (laughs) things like that always (laughs) amaze me. It's like, how did, how did he know to get in touch with my brother? But, um, so my brother was really concerned about reburying them, um, and not to disturb them. And, um, so he contacted him, and my brother took some some people. We took some food and some medicine, and we we reburied uh, the the people there that were wow. on on earth. so um so our people, you know, came through Minnesota and had you know some villages in Southwest Minnesota and then forced into South Dakota. and this was all history that was told at at this exhibit. There was some. I don't know what all there was. There was pictures, and I think there was some dwelt, like a um, a wigwam, a chipotake, mm-hmm. as we call them. Yes. Um, and um, once, once a week, he would come in. Maybe it was even more often, and there would be groups, like groups of school kids come through and want to learn about the Ho-Chung people. Mm. So there was a few times where he couldn't make it. He, he was double-booked for things and whatnot. So he had me come in, but that's... Really, what he what it was about is to talk about the Ho Chunk history here in Minnesota,
2: mm-hmm. because
3: it is Dakota and, and Anishinaabe land. So, but there was a lot of uh, pretty high population of Ho Chunk people mm-hmm. that came came exactly. here. Exactly.
0: Well, and I think, it, and I could be wrong, but I feel like we've we this has been part of our land too before the borders went up along with Illinois, yeah. Iowa, and um, a lot of younger ones, forty and younger, don't realize that. And yeah. so, I think it's important for us to talk about that. There's going to be a great book published from the Minnesota Historical Society. Uh, uh, Kathy uh, Coates has done an unbelievable job. It's been vetted out by Ho-Chunk people, Mm -hmm. and uh, like Amy Lone Tree has read through it. And and, uh, so there's going to be a a really accurate, because uh, uh, Kathy Coates is not just an author she's a librarian that does research so the things it's not going to be opinionated it's going to be done by research uh... that when we were pushed out here after the 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 sioux uprising or whatever however you want to call it uh... um, we were removed too and this is this is our land and um... people have to remember that and one of the things i just gotta say too is really interesting is that the minnesota uh, University of Minnesota, whenever they do a land acknowledgement, but that's not talk about land acknowledgement, that's a different <laughs> story. But whenever they do one, they mention Ho-Chunk. And, I'm, and I think it's a thing that we should still be talking about and talk about more because um, we're, you know, we're still here, obviously, yeah. too. There, yeah. I know with uh, not just the Winnebago, our, our relatives who uh, I'm related to, too, in Nebraska, we have over 600 citizens here in Minnesota that are tribal uh, citizens of uh, Ho-Chunk Nation mm-hmm. that I represent, and that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's not even counting descendants or, like I said, the Winnebago. So, you know, we have uh, more people here than some tribes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
3: Absolutely. You know, I that was one of the things that um, my, my parents were really... Um, Concerned about that, you know, the Ho-Chunk people that would come here would, you know, find each other um, And create a community because it's like it it didn't it didn't look like for me We were gonna move home anytime soon Mm -hmm. back to Wisconsin So, you know, because I thought when we first moved here, it was just like well We'll probably end up going back to Wisconsin, you know, (laughs) and here I am like 60 Mm -hmm. years later (laughs) still here um so you know it's it and then you finally kind of get to that place where this this feels like home Mm -hmm. and if it is then it's our responsibility to take care of it it's our Mm -hmm. responsibility to um you know let people know that that we're here and we're not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and that we have an investment here as well to uh, make things better for ourselves and one another
0: well and again your grandson's working here um, you all the work that you've done in the past in the state and in the, these cities. Those are uh, there's the people, the big voice have have spoken, and you know we have a lot to 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 um, look up to with the work that you and your family and other Ho Chunk families have over over the over time. But um, there's a lot of Ho Chunks that are involved in things too, which is really cool for me to see.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, um, I think, um, someone mentioned about our resilience, right? Mm -hmm. Despite all things, you know, we've survived, and I believe we thrive. And Mm -hmm. yes, we have our challenges, we have our our relatives who are struggling with, you know, opioids Mm -hmm. and homelessness, just like other, you know, the other people, other cultures here in the community and we're doing all we can to address those. We have programs who are addressing issues related to homelessness. In fact, one of our Ho-Chunk relatives uh, Mike Gozi is yeah. doing amazing phenomenal work mm-hmm. in creating shelters and and homes uh, for homeless or homeless native people in Minneapolis especially
2: yeah.
0: so
3: i'm so proud of the work that he's done through the years
0: mm-hmm. so yeah.
3: yes we have we have whole chunks in all facets of this community mm-hmm. you know um my daughter is working for her um MSW and is just so concerned about you know a lot of the issues that our the, her generation right. is facing especially single parents mm-hmm. and living in a urban area so wow yep our people are are very resilient are very knowledgeable skilled
0: And we had the big voice going on. And the big voice. And the big voice. (laughs) Instead of what Winnebago was, uh, dirty, stinky water, and we had to change the name back to our original name. And a lot of people don't know that. Uh, in what, 1993, 94, we go by Ho Chunk, Ho Chungla, you know. Rita, jump in. Your your mic's hot. I was like, I didn't know that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So now I know. Yeah. Um,.
0: You, you can say whatever you want. You, uh, you know, this is. You can talk a little bit about. I mean, I, I just want to say there's a big picture of this young lady uh, swinging a softball bat with really high socks, jeans, and a like a football jersey. And that's how I remember us playing. We didn't have our our Nike swag and stuff like that. But I'm 62, and that's that picture brings back memories that I of just a uh, of my era.
1: Yeah, and I love the softball image because I grew up with my aunts and uncles who played um, with the the native leagues in the cities. So I remember going to those games as a kid. So it it just, it makes, it comforts me. It's very Mm -hmm. comforting seeing those images and hearing those stories and seeing how my mom and her brothers and sisters grew up in the cities.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, at one time, you know, we we see a lot of pictures, like the the picture with the... the students uh, in, in the back seat of a car, and the cars were big enough to have six people in the back seat back then.
1: They were all squished together, and I think one is laying on top of the rest of them, but it, they're having a great time, so right. I think it's all right.
0: Yeah, definitely, but I mean, those cars back then, you wouldn't know this, Rita, but I'm old, and those, those back seats where you could fit a lot of people back there and sneak them into the movie theater, too. <laughs> there's some um, uh, uncomfortable silence uh-huh. there for a second but so what what are you how do you feel about not only our relatives and your relatives but just the of this um this photo exhibit what what are you what are what kind of feelings do you get out of this
3: well i was just sitting here thinking about you know this, this photo that you're talking about with the young woman in the baseball uniform um your your McKee relatives were very instrumental, yeah. very active in in sports, and here in the Twin City area. And um, your it's your Gaga's companion. His name was um, Carson West. Yes, he was a co- he was a phenomenal coach mm-hmm. and uh, was really involved in sports himself. And he coached our team. We had a, a Native women's team. Back then, and he uh, coached us, rather reluctantly, but of course he's so sports-minded that he was he was down for it. Um, we were we we led the league, and there was another um com- you know another competing team from I don't know what, but they were all non-native extremely racist team mm-hmm. and there was rules right that we mm-hmm. had to go by like you couldn't bring alcohol it couldn't be yeah. bring mm-hmm. beer past the bench um and they had beer at the bench and their coach was drinking with them and they didn't they, they weren't called on it mm-hmm. and when we would run around first base the first base person playing first base would call us names mm. you know really bad names um and our we would tell our coach we would tell Carson and he would say just ignore them you know they're just they're just trying to get you uh, you know get your mind off the game Mm -hmm. so at the end of the game I mean some of our girls they weren't they didn't tolerate that kind of (laughs) stuff right you know (laughs) they were they were raised pretty pretty rough (laughs) and they said okay so um when we get off the field let's let's show them you know and I was like no no we can't do that we'll get expelled from the league Mm. um so we well, you can't tell some of these girls because they're you know they're they're tough. <laughs> yeah, you know they're not gonna back down. So um, sure enough, we got off the field and they and these girls you know they knew must have knew that something was brewing. They came at us, Whoa. and of course our girls weren't gonna like right. tolerate that. They were already down for it, you know. So <laughs> they're like, okay, let's go at it. Man, we had the biggest brawl. <laughs> But it turned out that um, there was sort of a meeting and a hearing, and um, there was actually people from that weren't from our team and our our fans that came forward and said there was a lot of racism. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, rules that were being violated. So we got kicked out of the league, but then we got reinstated, and we actually won we took we took championship in the league that year. So it was there was a good outcome. and they had to do certain things to. Um, to be able to have a team in the league to remain in the league. So That's, a,
0: that's an amazing story because yeah. uh, uh my Dega is Curtis and yeah. Mark
3: Their and Gary, response. yeah. Very into ath- athletics. Uh, Uncle yes. Mark or
0: Dega Mark still wears sweatbands around his wrist <laughs> when I see him. <laughs> He's reliving his glory days. I better not say that. I better not say that. But no, uh, oh, yeah. big Their- sports and it's interesting too um back then there was a lot of native leagues though too yep. whether it was mm-hmm. bowling softball and yeah, you were absolutely. talking about that too rita yeah.
1: yeah and that's what i grew up with i was used to it and i guess i didn't really realize that they had of how it was like separate a little separate native leagues and i, I just was at the games i was a little kid playing with my cousins so i had a great time yeah
0: yeah well i i just uh I, I, for me i, I love history I really do, and I love these pictures that are hanging from the wall, and the, the stories that they they, they tell. And um, you know, I just uh, I just really appreciate you coming on too, uh, and and talking all these great stories because you're living history. You've gone through these things, and uh, this is a a show that. Uh, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do too much, Rita. It was, and I were going to talk about the exhibit, but I'm getting really schooled on some beautiful history.
3: Yeah, yeah, and this is the opportunity, right? This these pictures recall mm-hmm. that era—the '60s, '70s, '80s. It was um, a, a lot of growth in awareness and um, struggles, you know, that we face challenges here as as a community. But this exhibit gives us a chance just to, you know, really reflect and think back on those people that led, led all of that uh, that work. And I'm just so grateful to the History Center, yeah. and, you know, and the group here for all your work bringing us together. And, you know, I, I I have to, you know, be honest. I was a little choked up at some of the pictures mm-hmm. because a lot of the people in the pictures have passed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My brother uh, Eddie Benton benet He was ah. he was my brother. He was um, he became my brother in a diff- in a really different way. He was um, incarcerated, mm. and my dad knew him. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a Sunday that he and my mother he, they were going to go visit him. They he they got on the visiting list and they went to visit him. And it happened that it was Mother's Day that day. And I I don't remember that. Um, so. They went out there and he thought no one was going to come visit him um, when all the other inmates had visitors wow. and so there was my dad and my mom and he cried and he said that my mom was going to be his mom so he nice. gave her a rose because they all all the inmates were given roses that Aww. they could give to their moms oh, no. and he didn't have he didn't think he had a mom to give a rose to and there was my mom and So
0: this is a story uh, you know we would not have heard if you not told us that because you know, we know Eddie Red Schoolhouse, yeah. American Indian Movement. We know a different side of uh, being in prison with Clyde Belcourt and all those stories, but mm-hmm. that's a special story.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was my brother and we, st- we stayed in touch and he would come and visit and come to our ceremonies in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he was quite quite a guy.
0: Well, I know uh, I we could talk to you. For the rest of the hour, if it's uh, if it's all right with you, or we have other guests too, Rita, um, it's uh, this time has flown by, and I, I want to do this again. This is a, amazing um, stories, and I just have, I love the love the photos, and love how um, they bring back memories to you, and and for for us, their history. And I just have to say as uh being a former teacher i feel like there's a revitalization of our young ones now Mm -hmm. do you feel that way i I think they're trying to learn our our language and and do things the the way that maybe some of us have missed because of boarding schools and and all the trauma that's uh, been linked with being native Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i agree i think i see it and especially it's really great for me to learn about, you know, Red School House and mm-hmm. the Heart of Survival School because of thinking about, like, the Bedote Learning Center today, the American Indian Magnet School, like thinking right. about how those schools, like how th- that paved the path for these to exist today and to have such a strong support system. So I'm thankful for everybody who was in the cities during this time mm-hmm. because you really made things better for us. And so we're very, I'm very grateful. And I think it's, it's really shown how, much has changed and how we're able to live our lives easier because of
0: you mm-hmm. yeah so do you feel the young ones are picking up the 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 baton
3: absolutely absolutely there's you know a younger generation probably of the generation of my my grandkids you know that mm-hmm. are uh, becoming fluent mm-hmm. even in ho-chunk you know and um I see that happening more and more, that they're understanding the the importance of our language and how, you know, a lot of our tribes have almost lost their yeah. ability to speak their language. So, you know, just to see that happening is, you know, really feels feels good. And um, you know, I just think it's so important that we, you know, sort of, uh, Find our voices in in all of these different areas, and you know, show our children, our grandchildren, the importance of, you know, retaining that history, finding that history, understanding it, learning it, you mm-hmm. know, and then being able to share it in whatever way that they can in creative ways. Mm-hmm. So I see my grandkids, my kids, my grandkids, even my little great-grandkids. You know, are into their art. They're, they're yeah. drawing their pictures of their, you know, shawls and yeah. their, you know, their. Um, Indian clothes, and so, you know, any way that, that we're able to, you know, uh, con- really capture our own history, our own, you know, and be able to share it and be able to pass it on to our, our future generations is so important. And I see that happening here in the native urban area. Yeah. And, and I think that was that's always been the, the kind of the misunderstanding, you know, that if you grew up in the Native native the urban area that you're just kind of like become colonized yeah you don't speak your language and you know back home we just speak our language Mm -hmm. it's like well no i have to disagree you know our our young ones are learning the language and they are you know retaining the the arts and the, the culture and and practicing it and experiencing it and enjoying it so
0: well i sometimes think and this is just my opinion i won't put this on youtube that uh urban indians are more more woke Mm -hmm. i feel like we're more progressive in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um you know we talked a little bit about the american indian movement there's a lot of people like my my uncle curtis told me once he said he was so proud to be native when the american indian movement came out i talked to robert Lilligren, Mm -hmm. and he said that Uh, In 1978, they didn't. You know, the the Freedom of Religion Act came out, and they didn't. He didn't know he was going to school with other natives. Mm -hmm. You know, just those things that our young ones take for granted. But there was a lot of paved ways in the American Indian movement, and these laws that came about in our lifetime. It's not you know three thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. You're the history, and it's not that long ago. Right, Rita?
1: No, it's not that long ago <laughs> cuz I know everybody I think 100 years ago is not that long ago. So right. don't ask me as a historian. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. Well, I we've taken so much of your time and I and and I appreciate it so so much. So I, we have to do this again and maybe we'll do it again at the history center because you know, you're living history and uh we appreciate what you've done and uh you know, and I mean that in a good way because I, you're humble. You don't talk about all the great things that you've done, but we heard by a few people earlier in the earlier opening ceremony of how uh, connected and helpful you've been to the Native community and Ho Chunk and just the Twin Cities. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm we could go two hours as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> Rita.
3: I always tell my kids where I'm as old as dirt. So they're like, mom, I didn't know you knew him. Mom, I didn't know you knew that. I was like, yeah, I'm old as dirt. I know quite a
0: bit. (laughs) Good one. But I just uh, leave us with a a final thought. And uh, and can I call you Gaga?
2: Sure. Gaga.
0: All right. You know, um, we're so this has been just a great history class for me and at the History Center, Rita.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love learning. Um, The best thing is learning from community, and this is exactly why we created the exhibit. So thank you, Jimmy Miagwetch. Yeah.
0: Any last words?
3: You know, I just, I can't help but think about, you know, my own, my own Gaga, my own grandma, you know, she, she was filled with stories. And, you know, I just, I I love just listening to the stories as Mm -hmm. she sat there doing whatever she was doing, whether it was cooking or sewing, beading, You know, and that's what this reminds me of today is us being able to, you know, recall those stories and sit with our elders, sit with our relatives and visit. You know, I always say that, you know, we we can gain so much just just by visiting. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't take enough time to do that my folks used to say that you know we didn't have the luxury of calling ahead and saying uh i'm coming over you know we just went and stopped you know showed up and visited and sometimes they'd say because the amount of time that it would take to get to someone's house you didn't just leave right away right so Mm -hmm. sometimes you'd spend a few days there visiting you know cooking sharing food and sharing stories so today that's what that's what this reminds me of you know sharing the stories visiting sharing food.
0: So thank and you then, very much. And then I just want to say this too, the native humor is mm-hmm. the best humor. And when you say sharing stories, I just uh, laugh because I've heard so many good stories, uh, in my short time being around, but also, uh, it, it just makes me smile. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep.
0: Well, Pini Gee, thank you so much for being on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, wow. We got a few more minutes here and, uh, I just again, Pina Gigi. Thank you so much. Why don't, why don't you switch uh, microphones right there, real quick? And what a, what a good segue I have here going on here. Maybe I'll play a little, little music here, just for a little, uh, just a couple seconds here, and so we can just take a little, a little break here, Rita and I. And uh, technology is a beautiful thing here. There it is. There it goes. Uh, I swear to god, there it goes. Maybe I should just sing. Hmm. Weird. Hey, uh, could you guys play a little music here for a minute uh, at the studio? Like yeah. do, 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 do. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe we won't play some music then. That's crazy. I just had this thing playing.
2: Well,
0: it looks like we we won't have any music. Our show is going to be here soon. So, wow, what a great exhibit! What a great interview, Uh, Rita. Thank you so much for having us out here. listening to Native Roots Radio and we're live from the Minnesota History Center. Welcome back to the special edition of Native Roots Radio Live from the Minnesota Historical Society. We're at the live opening of Reframing Our Stories. And I'm here with Rita Arndt. And Rita, we got another guest here. Let's, uh, let's uh, take a quick uh, hello to them and have them introduce themselves. Bonjour,
1: everybody. Here we are with Devry. And Devery, can you introduce yourself, please?
4: Yes. Hi, my name is Devery Fairbanks. I'm from the White Earth Reservation in Minnesota, and uh, I live in Bemidji and work at Red Lake Nation College.
0: Well, uh, one of my favorite pictures here is of the softball person here. Um, It brings me back only because I'm old and I remember Wearing clothes similar to that, and uh, we didn't have our, our Nike or Adidas swag on. We had our jeans, our long socks, and can you, can you talk a little bit about this?
4: Uh, well, yeah, we used to play. We played a lot of sports and softball. Actually, I played everything except basketball, which is the big sport. Anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> yeah, we played a lot of baseball. Uh, we used to play the Minneapolis Police department team right. at, at Little Earth Park. What? By Holy Rosary by the yeah. by Little Earth. Um we used to play them and those guys had brand new uniforms, batting gloves, wristbands, oh. stirrups, spikes. They wow. had everything stirrups. brand new. We had um we all had mismatched, you know, we didn't have uniforms. <laughs> we all had, you know, cutoffs and tank tops. Right. and you know we had one bat, one ball, one oh. glove. Oh, one, one glove. One, one car. <laughs> wow. one, one pack of smokes. Oh, wow. Uh, one woman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my j- goodness. Just kidding. <laughs>
0: just kidding. Yeah. Well, what do you think of this uh, beautiful display of pictures? I mean, you were naming a lot of people. We, we talked a couple of years ago when this was first being brought around to the community.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, I was lucky to meet Rita and to help out with this. Uh, I grew up uh part of my life in Minneapolis and Franklin Avenue and South Side. Mm-hmm. And uh my I'm enrolled in White Earth, but we grew up part of our life in Leech Lake and mm-hmm. Cass Lake. And then uh I've worked the last twelve years in Red Lake. So I know people from all over. And then yeah. plus Minneapolis. Uh so I just and then plus being old, you kinda <laughs> you kinda know people. Yeah. You're, you're around back in those days.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, what feeling do you have? I, I think uh, there's a feeling when you look at these, and a lot of people are not with us anymore.
4: Oh, man, including her. And she's my little, she's the baby of the family. Do
0: you want to say her name?
4: Tammy, Mar- Tamara Marie Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1963, and she passed away in 2014. Mm-hmm. Oh, And then this lady behind her, that's our cousin too, Kelly, Kelly Laroc Sundal. Wow. Uh, she passed away about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Them two were the same age. They're cousins. Mm. Um, yeah, it's uh, and then I saw how you have it in there. Our great-grandfather's name is Paul LaRock.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: The, he's, it shows a picture of him with the Carlisle football team. Wow. And that's, that's these ladies' this great-grandfather played football with Carlisle. And then the same picture is Jim Thorpe, mm-hmm. yep. real young Jim Thorpe.
1: Yeah, we wanted to make sure That's to amazing. highlight that intergenerational um, connection with sports because I don't think a lot of people relate native people with playing sports, but we've been playing sports for since time immemorial, so it just depends where it's at, wherever it's at, we're going to show up, yeah. we're going to play and we're going to do our best because we're a little, I think we're a little competitive, but other than that, we like to win, we like to play, we like to be with each other.
0: Well, one of the things that I want to say, too, uh, with this with this uh, showing, this photography showing, is that they have a strip of negatives, not only the published picture, but then the other three, four, maybe eight shots that the photographer took of the same people. And, um, wow, that tells a story, too.
4: Yeah, I didn't see those, but I would love to see those, too.
0: They're right next to the photos. Yeah
4: oh well and then later just they were telling me to hurry up and go eat Oh no but no i was thinking i have i have my glasses but i thought i need a magnifying glass Uh just when i was leaving i saw you guys got. yeah we do have magnifying glasses oh i could have used that yeah
1: some of the we have a lot of the negatives of the photos so we probably have we i don't think i've looked at the negatives where tammy's featured but i know we have a lot of different photos of that particular day in that game So there's a a lot that they have where people will show up and more people and you'll probably know everybody, Debbie.
0: Yeah. Hey, we're about to end the show. Can you tell everybody uh, when, where, how uh, to see this beautiful exhibit?
1: Sure. Um, We are at the Minnesota History Center, which is in St. Paul, located right off. Um, 94 and this is uh, called reframing our stories and it will be up for two years wow. so we're really excited about that and we'll have more programming and other things so please stop by and if you ever need um, free admission please email nai@mnhs.org, at MNHS and we will totally hook you up because we want native people in this space um, and so please come visit uh, they're open uh, Wednesday through Saturday and so please just come visit
0: right on hey thanks for stopping in and you've been listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake and we're here live from the minnesota historical society we'll see you uh, monday peace out